Hi guys, welcome to Fitter Food Radio episode 153 and it's me, Karis, again. Not solo, because I have a guest with me. This week I have uh, someone who's very special actually to Matt and I. She is a Fitter Food mentor, or our Fitter Food mentor, sorry. So she works with us running our online projects and her name is Claire Hughes. Hello, Claire. Hello. <laughs> and Claire is very much part of the Fitter Food team. We've had her on the podcast before. You may remember talking about family nutrition, I think we've That's done right, with you. Yeah. yeah. A couple of years ago now. But I wanted to get Claire back. She's now a, a qualified nutritional therapist. And I thought it'd be great to do an episode together. Generally kind of talking about the things that we work on with our clients. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the immune system and about digestive health. But I kind of think it'd be great for you guys to hear Claire's story as well, because she's a huge inspiration to both Matt and I, me in particular, having had some health challenges in the last year. I've watched Claire just go from strength to strength. Um, She has an autoimmune condition, so you have psoriasis. psoriasis. And uh, I've watched how she's kind of project managed her way through a minefield of sorting out nutrition and kind of lifestyle changes. You're also hugely into CrossFit as well, aren't you? So we have lots of conversations about training and kind of just getting the right balance with training, but also from a kind of medical, in terms of managing your own medical interventions and and medications and things as well. So again, I'm going to shut up because I'm waffling. (laughs) Um, I'm going to kind of hand over to you, Claire. I think it'd be amazing if you could, first of all, just tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into your journey towards being a, well, becoming a nutritional therapist. And obviously say hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. So I start with that. And Claire has the most amazing Welsh accent. <laughs> she could literally, you should do like guided meditations because every time you speak, I just feel my whole nervous system goes, ah. <laughs> um, well, you've got a, a big part in where my journey sort of has taken me really with with nutrition in a sense. Um, I started off for my own my own health. My skin has had various different stages of being absolutely awful, completely covered from head to toe with gut ache, psoriasis. I've had hospital stays with it. Um, oh really? I never yeah, that. yeah. Hospital stays. When I was thirteen was my first time. Wow. When I was a teenager. Yeah. Where you go in and you, you're wrapped in like cling film. Oh goodness. And really, really harsh steroid creams. Oh wow. And coal tar, the whole shebang. And um, from that, then also day visits where I went for UVB and I did UVA as well. Oh, so that's the work. light therapy. So is yeah. that in, a, in a, like a like? Would they put you in a sunbed or just? A, a it's box almost or? like a TARDIS. For the the UVB, you go in a TARDIS and you just wear like a welding mask. Oh, really? Completely naked on a welding mask. It's all a little bit surreal. And generally, you're in there for seconds at a time because they they monitor how your skin burns under the the actual rays. Yeah. So you can often be going, spending longer getting changed and changed back again than you are actually in the... Really, so it's literally seconds, that's incredible. And then you build up gradually, but you have to go three times a week. So it's it's not a case of like just going in for a little bit of a... A boost you're, yeah. you're tied to sort of almost six to eight weeks worth of going three times a week right and when was this so this is a teenager when you no, were that, that was um that was sort of probably before I had my children and after my children right okay yeah when when I ever got a really really big flares you get to the point that your skin is on apps you know it's like on fire because you're covered you're shedding scales of skin all over the place it's like a trail of where you've been and you just don't know what to do with yourself and I would get flares quite quickly so you could literally see it starts at your trunk and it would literally go down your limbs 
and like day Let by legs day. And arms, yeah, yeah, arms yeah. and legs. Okay. Yeah, day by day. Because so. I've seen some of your before and afters, which are pretty incredible, where you've yeah. put up your befores, where your entire torso is pretty much yeah, covered. covered yeah. in, And it's red raw, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you absolutely. put up your afters, which is a result of, again, the kind of nutrition, the lifestyle. Your changes go huge, though. I mean, as in you've transformed jobs, relationship, everything. You've kind of really overhauled it. I was going to say, is there a moment where you remember it it kind of kicking in can you link it to anything because we, we talked with the last podcast with Kate how'd you go our autoimmunity there's some theories that it's <clears throat> kind of linked through to stress and yeah I think stress was a massive factor with it to be honest I often found when I was in my most stressful situation I'd get strep throat oh really and that seems to be a big kickstarter for me so I, I had tonsillitis as a child looking back actually since I've you know become a nutritionist you, you look back you do your own timeline yeah, yeah yeah definitely and you can see where I had tonsillitis recurring you, bl- you blame everybody else <laughs> yeah. yeah this lovely snowflake it's nothing to do with me it's all the other stuff that went on yeah. but I did have lots and lots of tonsillitis when yeah. I was a teenager and even before then actually I can remember being a little girl lying on a settee and my mum just giving me Farley's rusks oh really <laughs> like soft Farley's rusks that's the only thing I could eat Matt says he was addicted to them as a kid they are like, oh, nice. oh really that doesn't surprise me <laughs> yeah and then later on in fact, after I'd had the children, postpartum, I got, I had four children very close together. So actually, when you're pregnant, that was probably the, the healthiest I was with my skin. Was that, because uh, that's what Kate mentioned with him having the MS, that she, her symptoms were so much less during pregnancy. And yeah. you, so you saying the same, yeah. it was, it's or did like, you change during, is it because you changed a lot of stuff during pregnancy? No, I didn't change you a lot, might eat better be or no, 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 and I didn't have, it wasn't as if I had a lot of sickness or anything in my pregnancy, so I ate pretty much normally but it's almost like you've got a magic potion while you're pregnant that really you really do feel quite well you know yeah. but then postpartum especially after my last one so all my children were in a span of four years five months which is very close together and then after my last one oh my god it just went whoosh oh really and that was at a point where they were considering taking my tonsils out because again I was getting tonsillitis yeah and this was massive I think I had I wasn't actually I was having UVB treatment, which is the, their first go-to if you have a flare. But then it even kicked off during the UVB treatment. And then I had to have PUVA, where you then take, I can never remember the name of it, but you take a tablet. You're very, very photosensitive. So you have to wear special glasses for a certain hours in that day. And then you go in another bo- a different booth, different TARDIS for, for um, UVA treatment, which is stronger. Wow, okay. I mean, yeah. it's also really interesting that there's so much kind of controversy about sunbathing and sunlight exposure, isn't there, at the moment? And once you've had skin cancer, and I've, I've recently read an article that was called Why Sunscreen is the New Margarine, where they've said that actually sometimes the, the kind of sunblock and staying out of the sunlight and being scared of sunlight is actually, especially when we're doing it with children, or mm. is actually worse. And it's just about getting the right dose at the right amount of time, but the right balance of UVA and UVB, which yeah. changes across the day, doesn't it, apparently? Yeah. So... It's interesting that they kind of know all of this in terms of application to, to certain skin conditions. Mm. But then the advice back with others is like, stay out of the sun, you know. Yeah, well, interestingly, for UVB, at the very, you know, early on when my psoriasis was bad, you only were allowed a certain amount of hours of UVB. And they right. totted up, you know, it'd be on your medical notes. And once you got past a certain point, that would be it. You weren't allowed anymore. Oh, really? So okay. I was always sort of held that back as a bit of a trump card. So you knew, like if your skin got really, really bad and you, you just wanted to see if you could have like a quick fix with it, you'd think, okay, well, I'll call in my trump card of UVB treatment. But now, actually, they've not put a limit on it. 
they've oh, changed, really? so changed it. Yeah. Again. So they've they've clearly got different views of of how That's it does. Help. Yeah. And now, do you, do you, I know the answer to this because I've seen your tan. <laughs> do you actively sunbathe? Yeah, I do. And yeah. do you wear not wearing sunblock? And I don't stuff wear to, sunblock. And no. do you find it does help? But oh, yeah, it makes massively. a huge difference. Yeah, it doesn't, not for everybody, but for me, definitely. Yeah. I'm careful, you know, I try not to take the mick with it. Yeah. I've, I've probably got skin aging from sunshine, but you weigh it all up, don't you? Big picture, small picture with it, all really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it makes a big difference. So I've still got tiny tiny bits of psoriasis down the side of my trunk really and those are really the bits that don't get the sun when you sunbathe in of course yeah yeah yeah. so if i'm if i can feel it sort of starting to bubble up towards the end of the summer you know in early um autumn that would be the patches that won't have had the sun exposure during the summer okay and then also i suppose this is when you're also getting less and less daylight so yeah. again, you're already linking it to the seasons and how it changes, yeah. which is also common, I would say, of all immune system or immune related disorders that, that I see with my clients. They all say, you know, as soon as, it, as you know winter comes or the autumn and darker nights, you start to feel whether it's joint related, the joint pains creep back in or again, mm. and I think that affects mood and, and lots of, and then you, it's really hard to stick to some of the dietary recommendations with these yeah. conditions because you're just like, yeah, but my mood's really low now. Yeah, I just want to drink want alcohol and eat chocolate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've done things like um, I've got a sad lamp that I use in the depths of winter. Yeah. So I've got one of those that I'll pull out. Is that just for face or for I the whole it, body? Or No, I just do it for my face, actually. I keep it down in the kitchen. So when I'm down first thing in the morning and I'm just sort of getting stuff ready for breakfast, I'll put it on then. I've also got an alarm clock. And that's helped me a lot, I think. Because you don't actually realise your mood is bad during the winter, that you just feel a bit low. Until I think into the kids use it as a measure. Like, oh, she's got that lamp <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> Ooh, stay watch out, out everybody. Stay yeah. out of the kitchen. Mum's got the lamp on. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I've got one of the daylight alarm clocks. Oh, and yeah. And that helps. So I'm getting quite a high lux first thing in the morning. Yeah. And I whack it onto the highest level. You know, you can watch it. I'm just like lying there. And put it on the pillow next <laughs> yeah. to you. It literally is right next to my face. <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll take stuff in the in the winter, 5-HTP okay, yeah, as yeah. well. As like a tryptophan precursor. Yeah. With you. Yeah. And I try it. You know, actually, funny enough, in lockdown, I was like, should I? I normally come off it as soon, as soon as the weather starts improving a bit. I think, oh, I'll just come off the 5-HTP because I don't necessarily need it. But actually in lockdown. You, do, you doubled it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be home with four teenagers for some time. Let's just, just hang on for that. And yeah, I've yeah, come yeah. off it now, but I, I did just carry on a little bit longer than I normally would. It's interesting because we never really talk about with supplements as well. Other than vitamin D, I'd say how much most people need to be using them probably more intermittently to mm. really feel the effects. We talk a lot about things like adaptogenic herbs and how people will get you know, brilliant results on taking ashwagandha or theanine to calm themselves down and then think they just need to take it all the time. All the time yeah. But you're, I, I definitely see that the body kind of adapts to it and they're, they're really, it's, it's almost more helpful to coach a client a little bit and to go use it when this is what you need. And it's the same for things like B vitamins. Mm. I, I don't think we need multis all the time and some of them I think overstimulate us and allow us to push past what our body probably wants us to do. So it's, there's a skill in terms of saying, well, I'm really busy training for a triathlon two or three heavy training days might need a multi and a b vitamin but then you know ashwagandha and theanine to calm me down after all the training but then there's other days when you're just chilling out reading the paper you don't need all that stuff and you should you should try to kind of again just just use them intermittently to get the the benefits and and also just decrease the risks with some of them that there are small risks that they Mm. might not what you know could contribute towards other things but But also listening to your body i think you know yeah yeah. not overriding it all the time and especially if it's something new that you're trying because often i would try things myself and then 
you know, see if they work with me to try and then recommend it, you know, to think about recommending it for others. But unless you've stepped back from it, sometimes you don't actually realise if you've, if it's made a change or not. Do you find that? Yeah, so, I mean, I look and stay with you because like looking in your supplement cupboard is just as much fun as looking in my supplement <laughs> cupboard. And I'm like, oh, you're trying this now. Oh, what do you think of that? But both of us dabble with yeah. things and, and just kind of see, okay, well, does it work? Have we felt an effect? And obviously you're doing the same thing, kind of applying it in your clinics as well. Mm. You're using these things with your clients and seeing. And after a few cases, you get really confident going, oh, that is so powerful for this type of, but also I'd say this type of personality, this type yeah. of condition. So it's almost like it's it's the person as well that you're looking at. But just going back to your story. So you said stress was a factor and really interested in the strep throat, which I've also seen be, a, I think it's a bigger problem than a lot of people realise that mm. lots of clients I've had mentioned having I know that we all got kind of many of us got tonsillitis but yeah. when it's very recurrent I didn't actually realize how damaging it can be and I've had one client who's got serious uh, kidney problems from oh, really? recurrent yeah, strep uh, infections and she works in a, in a hospital now so it's an even bigger problem but what would you say at that time in your life stress was also a factor so teen, yeah. would you kind of say early early life was quite stressful for you yeah as a teenager but also you know as a teenager with massive at that time I didn't have gut age I had plaque psoriasis then right interestingly and it changed over time but, so what's the difference so um, plaque psoriasis is just the big massive blocks of areas of psoriasis so often yeah. people will start off with it on their elbow yeah and then they'll get other big patches on their body so I had big patches on my body, but I also had it all around my hairline, on my face as well, which you just can't hide. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. So imagine like a 13-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Really stressful. covered, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I wore a dark school uniform, so all this dry skin falling onto your shoulders. It's just hideous. So, yeah, the two, I think it was the stress, possibly sort of, you know, starting your periods and things like that, because there's a massive link with hormones with yeah, it yeah, that yeah. I've noticed, you know, when you start your periods, postpartum, and now perimenopausal as well, I've noticed it as well, you know. Same changes. Yeah, mm. definitely. Big transitionary times in your life as well, aren't they, really? Yeah, of course, yeah. So, yeah, so there was, there was the added stress of that, but I think there was underlying stress as well, really. And then similarly, again, looking at your lovely timeline of things that have gone on, you see the different things that have just sparked it off, really. And so what was your, so you're having the kind of UV, UVA, UVB treatment, and then you've also said steroid treatments. Steroid and methotrexate. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And that's very commonly used for things like rheumatoid yeah. arthritis. And all of yeah. these are basically immune suppressants, aren't they? That so. was immune suppressants. So I had, I had the methotrexate um, when, before I had the children, because you're not allowed to have it if you're trying for, for children, because it's so, it's so toxic, essentially, you know, it's a strong old drug. Yeah. Um, so I had it then. During the children, I say it was fine. And then after the children, after I had a big flare, so the UVB and, and puva as well. But really, it, those are sort of like quick fixes at the time. But for maintenance, then I was put on methotrexate. But really, I suppose I was coping with four children under the age of five. <laughs> it was possibly a little bit stressful, maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe. yeah. So then I was on methotrexate, but noticeably my dosage was going. You usually start on about five milligrams, but noticeably my dosage was going up and up. Right, so they were putting it up. Yeah, 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 and I got up to 20 milligrams at my most. You take it once a week and the, the side effects for me were just hideous. What were they? What was the... You just feel really, really sick. So you take it on. I used to take mine on Friday and I'd feel sick Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I'd get to about Tuesday where I was starting to feel okay. I'd have Wednesday and Thursday, and then I dread the thought that Friday would come again. Oh, no. And you're just on this cycle. And also, you know that you're on 20 milligrams, 
And often that's the highest they'll go before they then try sort of, is it like biological? So they, they try different things then. Okay. And um, I knew what the side effects were for methotrexate. And you, you're also, because you're immune suppressed, you get all the colds and the coughs, you know, imagine like with toddlers. Of course, yeah. And they go in, you know, I was still working, they were going to daycare, which I'm convinced is like commando training for, for children under the age of three. They just pick up everything, <laughs> which they then bring home and you have. Yeah, but I yeah. didn't have anything to fight that off. So right, essentially I was medication. probably getting progressively lower and lower in my just general health, really. And what was the kind of, when did you switch to looking at nutrition and whether there's anything alternative or like kind of alternative options generally? I think it was the point when you go from consultant to consultant and you start looking yourself then at maybe there are little things you can change for yourself, you know. And I remember asking one of the consultants saying, you know, is it anything that I can do myself? Because essentially I didn't want to take the drugs. The side effects were horrible. So I said, is there anything I can do? Can I change my food? You know, I'm wondering whether or not it's stress-related. I'm getting these, you know, tonsillitis all the time. And I remember him turning to me, and he was quite dismissive, this guy anyway, at the time. And he was like, you do realise there is nothing you can do about this. Nothing you change will make any difference. Nothing about your food, nothing about your lifestyle. This is going to be something that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And if anything, I think that was, I'm a bit... Um, what's the word I was going to say but that fired you up yeah. more than anything yeah if anything well I was really upset at the time because you just kind of come away thinking oh flipping neck, this is great you know I'm going to have to stick with this forever but then also I thought no do you know what I'm going to have a blooming well good luck what have I got to lose essentially yeah. what yeah. have I got to lose I thought I'm going to come back and show you so then I started reading up on it and um, just I have to stop you there that's so interesting you said that st- that line because that's exactly what Kate Hardjiko said when she was with her mum oh, really? what have we got to lose yeah like well, seriously and that's when they went for it and and I've seen some big changes so it's yeah it's no. nice well it is it's, it's a case of like well you've got a chance of just following down this path and accepting it or thinking well it's worth a try and coming away thinking well you've done your best yeah even if the yeah, outcome yeah. is the same yeah you know so I started looking into different things and then I started going down a route of perhaps taking things out and the big triggers that I was sort of coming across again and again and again with things like gluten. And it, so I started sort of playing around and changing the way I was eating. We weren't eating a lot of processed foods anyway, but they were more sort of homemade things that I was making, taking out more, taking out processed things, quick things that I was probably doing with the children, like pastas and breads and things like that. So I started taking those out just for me. And then I could start seeing changes. And I thought, well, okay, let's go down the route a little bit later then I got into reading about paleo. I was into my sport then as well. And I was thinking, well, actually, there might be better ways of fueling. I was sort of crashing and burning a lot, actually, with my running. So I thought maybe there's better ways of fueling that. And um, went down the paleo route and then came across you. Fantastic, oh, really? people. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, when I first spoke to you, I remember you were interested in doing one of our online programs and you said uh, we had this conversation so I rang you and I was like oh you've made some inquiries I'm just here to kind of talk you through it and you said I'm already paleo and I remember thinking well then I've got nothing left but actually we got chatting and the program we were going to do was a bit more of a kind of it was an online program for women. It was a few years ago now, of course, a long time ago now. But yeah, 2013. It was, I wanted to do a lot of education on hormones and, and supplements and also and, and the diet side, but diet specifically in terms of, you know, what could you do to look after blood sugars, reproductive hormones, that kind of stuff, immune boosting interventions as well. 
so it was much more educational but you were already there and you actually end up being a big inspiration to a lot of people that did the plan because you I suppose you'd already you you kind of already yeah you you knew how to prepare the food you were already doing it for your children so you end up being a bit of a a mentor on our first plan even though you were taking part in it because Mm. people were watching you batch cook and I'll vividly remember you putting a, a big uh on the fridge it was a little kind of at winner um, dinner winner dinner yeah, yeah. and everyone had to rate whether they enjoyed the meal or not and yeah. so Matt and I were like oh this is like it's like being on MasterChef or something <laughs> you know <laughs> who liked everyday chicken curry but it was you know and, and this is when we started to see the kind of potential really in terms of you coaching many of the people we work with because we didn't have a family we weren't cooking for four yeah. kids but you really did make it happen but also I think you went from strength to strength in terms of using that information and really applying it but seeing it make a difference yeah and I think the next bit I'd really love to talk through with you so obviously you saw a benefit through paleo nutrition but there's also the it's kind of autoimmune protocol which is a version of paleo where you would further remove nightshades and um basically it's all grains seeds legumes because some people put them in a paleo diet anyway don't mm. they and tea and coffee same thing alcohol's gone um so it's all your nuts and seeds are gone Dairy and grains are out anyway with with paleo. I'm trying to think if I've missed anything. Nightshades. Seeds, nightshades. um, All the drinks are gone, aren't they? Yeah. So there's no tea, coffee, alcohol, nothing. That's about it, it. isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. So it's quite, essentially you are just eating meat, fish, uh, vegetables, sweet potatoes, plantain, cassava, Mm. kind of root vegetables as well. So there's no real kind of, in terms of a starch variety, there's no... Grains, no white potatoes, and um, and then there's kind of an emphasis on things like stocks and broths and, and organ meats mm. as well. And the reason being, it's kind of nutrient density, but also low in possible proteins that might interact with your immune system that could therefore exacerbate an autoimmune kind of um, response. So you trialed that, didn't you? I did. Kind of took it to yeah. another level. I'm trying to think how long I did it for. I think I did it for about. I think I I did it with a view of it only lasting a month. But you can't just do it in a month. It's, you have to do it for longer. Really? Yeah. In yeah. terms of to see the effects or to because the, you well, it took you about a month to give up chocolate? Or? Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> no, you sort of do it. Yeah, take it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, a little, maybe a little bit of chocolate stayed in there. But um, I think you just need it longer because initially you do it and then you take everything out and then you're left with really boring food Yeah, yeah. with no colour because you don't realise how much you use red in your your meat yeah yeah and obviously tomatoes and peppers and peppers are gone and so you kind of sort of work I don't know about you but similarly now when I work with clients you kind of tweak what you're existing you know doing now in existence and then you look at it and you think well gosh I haven't got hardly anything left (laughs) so then you suddenly think okay maybe I need to be on this a little bit longer and think slightly outside the box so you do the next stage of it which would probably be like the second month where you think okay I'll stay with what I was doing take out the things I know I'm not allowed to have and maybe we can just do a little few tweaks to put a bit of colour back in. So I started looking into how to do sort of alternatives to tomato sauces and things like that, using beetroot and like a no-mato sauce and stuff like that. But really, you probably need a good for good three months to give it a full crack. Yeah, and you know, as in it see the effect. Yeah. And also to make it sustainable for you, what you're kind of saying here is you've got to then experiment with dishes because yeah. otherwise you'll be like, I cannot see myself doing this. Well, no, yeah. otherwise you're just eating salmon, and, yeah. you know, and then you end up with another problem because you've eaten the same old blooming thing Over for a whole month yeah. because Which, you've clipped down your diet so much yeah. that there's not much left 
to actually experiment with. But also when you were doing it, so this would be, oh gosh, 2013-ish, I think. So 2013, I did a Optimum Body. So it was probably about 2014, 2015, yeah. maybe. There were yeah. hardly any books on this. Oh, yeah, it was new. So, so now they've got loads of really good cookbooks. People have got really creative and there's lots of Facebook groups supporting people with autoimmune conditions as well. Yeah, and, yeah. and there's loads of products available. Yeah, but so it wasn't... It wasn't like that no. when you first did it. There was no coconut aminos and things no, like that. No, exactly, yeah. It. <laughs> you get, that's right. They, you'd look at stuff in America and you'd yeah. think, oh my gosh, they've got all these things that just to add a little bit of zhuzh to your meal to make yeah. it come alive. But it's all American. And it wasn't a time where whereas now we can just Google it, you know, order it on Amazon and it'll be here tomorrow. Yeah. Those right. were just not available to us then, really. So it was really Quite Quite difficult. Boring. <laughs> yeah. Did it make did it make a huge difference to your skin or probably not enough to warrant you know the, <laughs> the deprivation? No. no, I don't think it honestly did. And if anything, looking back and to see how I've changed things since then, I think I was probably holding on to something for some kind of control when actually there were huge, massive areas in addition in my life that I probably would have been better putting my energy into and sorting out. Okay. And that would have made a bigger difference in my skin. Than, than not me. having a tomato. Yeah. The poor tomato. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now I eat tomatoes. Right. I don't take the mick with them, but I, you know, I like the colour in my food and I've relaxed down what I eat. It's a good experiment in the sense that you learn to see how you rely on the same things for your meals. And it makes you just press pause and go, okay, do I actually eat tomatoes or root vegetables for every blinking meal I eat? Yeah. You know, so it makes you step back yeah, yeah. and have a bit more of an overall look on things. Um, so now I've sort of worked out what my sweet spot is with nuts, with tomatoes, with potatoes, gluten are non-negotiable. I don't have that. Dairy. You I said have with gluten, butter. you get swelling almost instantly. Oh, yeah, and, and brain and fog. It's almost like having the worst hangover without the pleasure of a party. Yeah. You know, it's really, really bad. And your skin, you said the hands swelled up and... Yeah, yeah my so joints are a bad. true reaction. Yeah. yeah, my skin will just... Even like tiny little patches just go bright red. Right. Um, tomatoes, if I have too many, it'll do a similar thing. So I know now where I am with it. And I feel quite confident that, again, you know, when you're on a really restricted diet, life is pretty grim because you can't go anywhere. You can't eat out. No, exactly. Yeah. You know, and you go to a restaurant and it's now acceptable to say you don't eat gluten, you don't eat dairy. But then when you're listing, going, oh, well, you know, can you tell me, has this got potatoes in it? Can you tell me, has this got tomatoes? And those are the cheapest, <laughs> ing- they're the cheapest ingredients that restaurants use. So they're going up and linking everything. Yeah. You're like, has it got nuts in it? Has it got seeds in it? And you can see the people, you know, doing the, the waitress, their eyes just rolling as if to say, oh my God, we got a right one here. You know, they're speaking, <laughs> they're going back into the kitchen going, oh yeah, we got a right one in this. What exactly are you intolerant yeah. to? Dust. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just dust for the lady on table number four. Just <laughs> take a water. So what, when you mentioned the other areas that needed addressing, what was kind of becoming clear to you that you needed to change? Well, I think it's all the areas really that were causing me stress. I think like, when my children were young, you've got your head down and you're just basically surviving the day. And then you get to a point where your children are slightly older and then you just realise, actually, I want to enjoy my day. I don't want to just survive it. Yeah. And what are the things that are possibly carrying on that stress, really? I was in a relationship that I'd been in, you know, for a long, long time. I was married. And I think I'd got to a point, really, where it wasn't serving me anymore. It wasn't... You examine, again, how you want to be with your children and the types of things that you want to try and, and encourage them to be like. So... You have to be working from that platform as a couple together. And I, I I very much felt as if I wasn't in that place, really. 
And that was probably one of the big areas in my life that I needed to change because I was I was throwing myself into my training. And again, you know, you, I was throwing myself into AIP. I was throwing myself into, I was a runner and my running became 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra. You're trying you know, to outrun some marriage problems, yeah, essentially. Exactly. <laughs> and you do, don't you? You yeah. think, oh, okay, I'll just go down this rabbit hole. And, mm-hmm. and whilst I'm there, you're completely blinkered to what's going on. And then you'll just surface and you'll think, oh, okay, you're still, you're still there. Let's throw myself into <laughs> another one. He's still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so. Oh, he's still there. I'll go <laughs> okay. on another race. <laughs> so, yeah, that's when my training just got progressively longer. So I wasn't in the house, maybe, but I don't know. Um <laughs> So yeah, so that was that was a big thing really to just I did some work on myself because a lot of it you think, well actually, you know, I am the continuous pattern in this, so maybe I need to address some of the things myself. Yeah. A way I'm going wrong. And and confidence issues, I think, possibly not helped by the fact when you're thirteen and really like elemental stages in your in your your life cycle, isn't it? Yeah. Where you just feel really grim about yourself and actually being covered in massive scales, you do feel crap about your, your yeah. body and body image and that which can instill you know problems in your self-esteem and all the rest of it so I, I took myself off and had some work on that and it, I think that was a really really good thing to do actually yeah. just just to sort of sort out what were other drivers and you know not diet related or anything like that what other sort of things that were sparking it's almost like they, I did a thing called EDMR. I started off with EFT and I went on and did EDMR. And they can talk. You, can you say what that means? So that's. Oh my gosh, I, I, I something. Movement. REM. Did it. Did I don't know. I only know it's EDMR. Put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll have to. <laughs> EDMR. But essentially, you, you look. You, there's, there's different ways of doing it, but I had the lady, she looked at a light. I had to look at a light and you're, you make rapid eye movements. And then sort of the counselling comes from that. Don't ask me how it works, but it is amazing. And that really was a case of me looking at all these different aspects of my life, really, that were affecting me. And what they talk about is you have a disproportionate response to things. So certain things would be triggers for me and I would just sort of spark or I'd get cross about things or upset about things. And I couldn't quite work out why. Right. But what they say is it's almost like something goes, something from, you know, experience previously is there like a like a raw wound that just sits there? Yeah. yeah and what happens mm. is something can come along and just rub against that raw wound, and then your response is so out of proportion to what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it's a, a method. I did talking therapies first, but as you can tell, I like a chat, <laughs> and I'm also a people pleaser, so I felt as if I was always just telling the lady what I thought she wanted to hear because I didn't want to make a day bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know, I do all this counselling, which was lovely. I had a lovely chat with her, but actually, I didn't really solve any problems. But with EDMR, you can't. You, it stuff comes from somewhere, and you can't have any. You can't guide it in right. any way. It's really strange, but it's, it was massively helpful for I've me. I've heard actually several people say that they found that much more. If, if again, same thing. I always recommend, you know, counselling, obviously, mm. is like a first-line approach. But we had a bit of a chat about this because I've had some, and I said, yeah, I found myself saying the right thing, yeah, which is You want to go to please you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little money. I just want to make sure you're happy. Are you okay with this? Yeah. <laughs> so. But that I've never tried that, so it's really interesting to hear that you're saying it's much. It's going to work better for you. So if anyone's here listening and knows, they probably find themselves in a similar place, but they've got some past things to work through. And I really like the way that you phrased it, saying it's a disproportionate response because I definitely say when I look at people that have immune-related issues that are not 
making the progress, perhaps, you know, the change diet and mm. lifestyle and, and, and definitely work on stress and start to meditate. They'll definitely see results with that. Yeah. But there's almost like a block. And I think that this comes down to all these experiences in your life have kind of put you in this default setting mm. and you just can't see it. And you suppress it as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah. you know, you, And it's painful to drag it up. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. You know, so... It was. It was a, a, a big game changer for me doing doing the, um, what's it called again? <laughs> it was so big, I can't remember the name of it. So. Edm- I always get the, number, the letters in the wrong I might have it. No, it's EDMR, isn't it? I, think. I don't know. Yeah, I know. You actually, if you want to look it up, you can have a look, anyone listening, have a look. At, there's a big network in the UK and you can actually find practitioners, can't you, yeah. locally? Yeah. Um, so I know I've kind of looked at a few, but... So with that, you had um, some, some key changes. So you did end up divorcing. I did, yeah. And um, and then you kind of, what would you say happened with your kind of relationship with exercise and, and maybe nutrition then? Did, did, did so, you kind of rebalance that a little bit? Yeah, I did. I really did rebalance it. So I said, um, like I said, I'd AIP, I've made some changes, but I pretty much revert back to paleo, primalish sort of way of eating. Yeah, I can't go without carbs. I, my days are pretty full on. I've got a physical job. I do CrossFit. I've got four kids. <laughs> so, yeah, I find I need my carbs to help me at night as well to sleep, if to sleep. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by that, you're saying, so you had it back in like rice and potatoes. Right, and not so much potatoes, but certainly rice. rice. Yeah, yeah, we do eat a lot of rice um, and tomatoes just because like feeding with the kids, really. You know, I'd, you don't want to be in a position where you're always buying really complicated foods as well. Yeah, you yeah. know, because I'm feeding five of us. Um, and of course, I suppose there's a change income-wise now that yeah. you're on your own. So we, we had a bit of a chat about how expensive it is to to do, you know, to eat nutritiously. Of course, like you, you've been great in terms of helping our members with tips on organ meats and cheaper cuts of fish mm-hmm. and, um, you know, bone broth and making the food go further, that type of stuff. But it's still expensive. Yeah. And, you know, we go in the supermarkets and you look at bread and pasta and rice and it's, not, you know. Well, it's dirt cheap, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. in comparison. Yeah, exactly. And then training-wise, I would say I've scaled it down. I've, I got into CrossFit. Um, scaled it down. Well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> this might be slightly questionable, but I've scaled it down in the sense that a CrossFit session is one hour. Yeah. So, because my problem is, as I said to you before, I would run and then I'd be always looking for the next level, the next level, the next level. Whereas in a CrossFit class, it's just an hour and I have to leave after that hour. It's, yeah. It's a cut-off. And actually, we did have a chat about you said to me that you you don't push yourself in that you're not looking around at what everyone else is doing and trying to beat them and push them and and you know you can feel your body saying no and injuries tweaking you're very good at stopping dropping down the weights yeah easing back going body weight only and making sure the technique's good so I suppose CrossFit is really working for you in that that's a big emphasis that yeah in a class they're always trying to say technique and and, over intensity is really important yeah and and essentially you know it's it's your word to work they're quite happy you know, they want you to push yourself, but they're happy for you to do it in the way that's good for you. Yeah. And what is workout of the day for the non-crossfitters? <laughs> there are some people that don't do crossfit. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. Yeah, what is workout of the day? Yeah. It's the world of acronyms. But um, so, yeah, I, I like to, initially, when I was on my own with the children, I couldn't go every day. I used to train every morning because obviously my husband was here then to look after the children when they were younger. So I couldn't do that. So that forced me to scale things back. I have now built back up to go in every day. I like the consistency. It does, I think headspace wise, it, it works for me for me to do some kind of activity every day. During lockdown, we trained at home. That was nice, but 
And I thought, oh, do I actually need to get in the car, drive and go somewhere? But actually, I realised as much as anything of the actual training element of it, it's being able to just say goodbye to everybody, leave everybody everybody at home, go and train, do something for myself where I'm not a mum, where I'm just me. You know, they'll still phone me, they'll still text me one Sunday (laughs) knowing that I am training, but I'm there for just one hour. And then when I come back, I can take on the world. You know, a tsunami of mum, where's my this, where's my that, where's my whatever, for half an hour before everybody goes to school. I'm, I'm just... Ready I'm Julie it. Andrews. They, they, <laughs> all right, bring it on. I don't mind, you know, but yeah. it's because I've had that time for myself. Yeah. But I don't I don't push myself. I'm one of the oldest ones. I think I'm the oldest woman there. A lot of them are like 20, 30 years younger than me. And they're all for like increasing the weights. Because there's so much variety to, to cross it and there's so much sort of like techie stuff to it, I'm quite happy to just want to do it nicely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I'll work on my Olympic lifting and I'm quite happy to just drop the weights and, and just be able to, as I say, rock up the next day and do it again. And surely your goal here is longevity of movement, knowing how beneficial it is for your health and your your mental health. So I I know for me, whenever I can feel my kind of demon kicking in of like, go on, go a bit harder, heavy. I'm always like, Mm. "Mm, longevity as in, as in don't screw yourself injury wise, don't overtrain. And do you find that you've got that in the back? Do you find that your nervous system also feeds back a little bit sometimes? Or your, your body, your physical body, anything that kind of... Yeah, I'm I'm not one for the pain cave anyway, to be fair. Oh, really? No, I'm not. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. You go there. I'm, I'm okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not competitive. I like to improve. Yeah. So I use the CrossFit Open as my little benchmark yeah. to see how I'm doing each year. And I work sort of towards that. But as for competitions and that, I, I do SheWod, which is more of a charity thing for women. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But all the other competitions, they go on all day. And I'm like, they've got massive breaks in between, which I... If it went on for just the morning and I kept going for a couple of hours, yeah. I'd be fine. But don't don't make me stop for two hours for lunch because <laughs> I don't want to start again. I want to go home then. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, don't yeah. know. That's the reason I'll never do the three peaks where you have to get in the car and oh. drive. I'm like, why would you do loads of exercise then get in a car for hours? I'll be like, no And then way. start again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, not for me. So with the, um, you know, also in terms of medication, you mentioned you were on methotrexate and you were using steroid creams but you've also done a bit of research about possible alternatives and you've used supplements as well nutrition yeah. supplements so would you mind sharing some of that with us in terms of how that's worked for your immune system yeah where i've gone from there so supplements wise i've tried different things i did i've done a lot of work with you didn't i on gut repair yeah which i think was invaluable really every now and again that resurfaces itself and i think okay i need to just kick that into touch again yeah and generally that's stress induced if it's busy times okay then i'll notice you know like i'm either not absorbing things i'm getting a little bit bloaty a little bit windy and i think okay really it's time to sort of get back and it's often when you've i don't know about you case but you sort of all good intentions are like right yeah liver i'm going to make sure that's regularly in my menu and all the rest of it bone broth yeah i've got the chicken on i got you know it's all it's all happening and then you just sort of step off the pedal for a little bit and then you realise you've not done any stock for ages or you, see, have, yeah, you yeah. haven't had liver for a while. And it's usually coincides with you thinking, oh, my stomach's a bit iffy. Or things that you, like I said, a sweet spot, things that you could get away with that you suddenly think, flipping heck, I've really reacted to that quite quickly. Yeah. So, so you've, you've got, like you've got your own little yeah. barometer really going yeah. on with your body. Things like magnesium, zinc, fish oils, those are all non-negotiables lion's mane lion mane i've been using for just um that's a mushroom yeah Yeah. medicinal mushroom just lion's mane i think those are my main ones what else was in my drawer when you had a look 
<laughs> all sorts. <laughs> so and you you played around with things like 5-HTP to kind of oh, yeah. help with your mood. Yeah. And then do you use anything like theanine as well? Which is a, No, I don't use theanine. Um, DIM, because I'm perimenopausal now, so DIM I've used for a little while. Um, so DIM is basically helpful in terms of balancing what's the way that we kind of convert estrogen in the body so making sure it's staying protective and sometimes people feel if you're around your menstrual cycle and hormones used for both men and women so men with kind of low testosterone often mm-hmm. benefit from from dim do you use that on a regular basis or are you kind of intermittent with it or do you um, put that in for perimenopause i put it in for perimenopause more than anything really at the moment when i was having big fluctuations i think with my hormones night sweats but again that linked with stress yeah yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Could, you could see the link with it really I'd put it in and then when things sort of level out again then I'd take it out and actually it was only the other day I thought well, I haven't had that for a while so I clearly didn't need it didn't need it yeah, 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 yeah. it's good to take things in and out anyway like we said yeah yeah, yeah. really and then medication wise I came but when I was working with you I slowly very very slowly and it was quite scary the thought of coming off methotrexate of course yeah, because yeah. you know that you know, there's a potential for all of a sudden. At that point, I just had like plaques down my side. And in the winter, it would sort of go across my stomach and then start going out towards my arms to yeah. my elbow. But never to the extent that I had it before. But I thought, right, I'm going to slowly just reduce the dosage and see what happens. And then it, I did start to flare up. But then I started looking into low-dose naltrexone. So and that was from like Chris Gresser and, and yourself, just finding information about it. So I'm under a dermatologist and um, I went, this is about two years ago now, when I went to my dermatologist just for a review, I said I'd like to look into doing that. And he actually hadn't heard of it. And, and all fairness to him. It's American, isn't it? No, yeah. no dose naltrexone. But there is a, a couple of organisations in the UK that just have some information about it. But in America, I think it's used in, in their healthcare system, is it? Or, I don't know. Oh, right, OK. Yeah, I, certainly here. It's not... It's, it's um, not in our healthcare system. It's not, no. And... In all fairness to the, the dermatologist, he was willing to listen. And, not, and often that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. And compared, when I compare it back to the person who said to me, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. I think oh, at that time I was so lucky that the, of the actual um, doctor that I saw. And he just literally went onto, the, onto his computer and looked it up. He said, well, I, I can prescribe it for you, but there's no, what do they class it? They have to have it certain categorised, don't they, to be able to sort of, you to get it from a normal prescription then right, at the so pharmacy. Like- so he said, I can prescribe it for you um, and you can just trial it if you want. For trial it, Let's trial it for three months. Yeah. So I'd already looked into the low-dose naltrexone research trust, which sadly somebody said during lockdown, it's they've had to shut down. Oh, I don't no. know how true that is. I need to look that up actually, which would be a shame if it has. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the low-dose naltrexone research trust had a link. They have a link with a pharmacy up in Scotland where you can send your prescription up because because it's classed as a specialised drug here. If you took it to say your local pharmacy, they would charge you one hundred and fifty pounds to dispense it, right? Okay, because it's a specialised drug. Whereas the low dose naltrexone research trust have set up with a pharmacy in Glasgow, Dixon's Pharmacy, I think it's called. You can then have it prescribed for thirty pounds, thirty thirty one pounds fifty or something a month. Right, because okay. they've got this special arrangement with them. So you have to build up gradually with it, which I did. And it's um, an endorphin blocker. So it, wow. you take it in the night, just before you go to bed, you've got like a, a window of opportunity where you have to take it between nine and 
three in the morning or something like that. You take it, it temporarily blocks your endorphins to then upregulate your endorphin production. Wow. So if nothing else, you feel really happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the only, there's very, very few side effects. The only side effect that I could research was saying that about dreams because you're taking it at night. At night, yeah, yeah. So you can get sort of quite vivid dreams, which I only had like a few of. I'm, I sleep like a stone anyway. So you build up gradually to only 4.5 milligrams. So traditionally, it was a, a drug that was used and people were on something like 300 milligrams. And it's really? for people who are trying to come off like alcohol abuse and things like that. I right, think. okay. Yeah, yeah. And drug so abuse. So addiction, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did it for three months. I fed back to my dermatologist and said, yeah, I'm fine. Can you do me another prescription? Bless him. He, he was fine. He did it, another prescription. And we did it for six months and then we did it for another six months and he reviewed me in the year and he said look I want you to come back just to know how you're getting on yeah because I don't want to leave you sort of in the ether just you know doing it all on your own and I went back and I showed him my skin and I was like I've had no side effects my joints have been amazing as well because I you know I did suffer with joint pain although which they, is, can be linked to psoriasis psoriatic yeah. arthritis yeah. yeah and he said well I'm I'm more than happy he said there's still only observational evidence with it there's not been enough research, you know, over time for it to be classed as a different category for drug. But he said, I can see compared to immune suppressants, the actual side effects are minimal. So why not take it, you know, if you're having success from it? So bless his heart, he he wrote a prescription for me and that's the process that we're on. And I said to him, have you actually given it to anybody else? And he said, no, but he said, now that I've seen you, it would be something that I would consider for others. So I think, that's oh, amazing. Well, that's great, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But how lovely to have somebody that was open-minded about yeah, it. Yeah, that's so, quite, quite unique that you come across that. Yeah. But it's, I think it's just also a combination of things that you've done together. So I think that alone might not have been. And low-dose naltrexone has application with Hashimoto's, so yeah. autoimmune thyroid conditions, um, I believe, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, yeah, I mean, so... It'd be really interesting. Would it have had the same effect if you hadn't also done the nutrition the and the, the kind of emotional health side of things? And mm. you know, so I think it's all of it together. And that's really just to give you, you know, a big kind of high five because you put in so much work. And then when, right now it. we tackle the medication and see yeah. what can I do that's minimising the risks, but you're not totally writing off. Mm. You know, kind of the fact that you're going to need some medication to keep it under control. Yeah, and part of me sometimes I do sometimes have a moment where I think. Well, you know, I've got a really good diet. I try and manage my stress. I do this, that, and the other. And I sometimes feel a little bit of a failing that I'm on low-dose nitroxine because you kind of think, well, shouldn't I be in a position where I'm not on anything? And I'm just... But then I also think, well, actually, no, I've got an autoimmune condition that I'm going to have forever. So in some respect, that consultant that said to me, this is going to be something you're going to live with for the rest of your life, he's right. It is something I'm going to live with for the rest of my life. And if somebody's got um, hyperthyroidism, they're going to be on medication for the for their lives it's It's something that's going to stay with me so I kind of think oh I take myself to one side then and sort of think hang on a minute Claire you know what you're doing is managing it in the best way that you can yeah so actually it's not a failing no no not you know I would never like having seen the journey you've been on I don't know how you can even consider to use that word failure you know failure in any way because I think you've had the courage to make some huge changes that I see lots of people and sometimes stepping back as a um, you know kind of nutritional therapist even we've talked about this we can see the problem and it's mm. really hard because we're like it's not the food yeah, <laughs> you know we yeah. can see it we're like yeah. it can be the job it can be the relationship it can be family stuff going on but it's hard because it's not our role to step in and talk about that kind of stuff but we do in, in in consultations both you and I will say to clients you know 
stress is is a big problem here. Yeah. It's changing you hormonally. It's changing your the, the the chemical balance in your body, and this is going to send your immune system in a certain direction. And for you, this is this is the feedback. And like you mm. said, your gut was your barometer. Your skin is your barometer. And in some ways, these become a blessing in disguise because yeah. would your life have gone down a different route had you not had this kind of constant feedback you know that mm. actually you're not happy you're not happy yeah as much as you can keep busy you're still not happy yeah. you know so I think what you've done and I hope that everyone that's listening to your story is as inspired as Matt and I are when we kind of look at the change that you make but every time we've seen you you just seem brighter and you know it's like the real Claire just comes out every single time and and now I think you've just got such a wealth of of knowledge and information and experience to share I think whoever becomes your client is incredibly lucky and and just on that side you do you haven't even really mentioned that you also have really brought a lot of this to the family now because you do educate your kids about it that some of them are just getting your eldest is just getting into cooking and crossfit Mm. and I think she's going to be we've said she's going to be a beast like in terms of she's already outlifted all of us lot so (laughs) but she's already going how do I balance my blood sugars and you've you've actually guided her through that process Mm. and ready for university she already knows and I'm like god I wish I had done that that age yeah, that would have yeah. made my life so much easier and they're also watching you and seeing how you look after your health and deal with situations and and so I think you know lots of people struggle they can do this for themselves sometimes but can't bring this to the family mm. and I suppose the final thing that'd be interesting to talk about is you've also said the next person that comes into your life maybe as a partner has to be on board with this don't they yeah I think so I think because you are leading from the front and it's, you know, essentially my children are the most important thing for me and I want that ethos to be carried on, really. So to be genuine to myself, I want to be with somebody who's on the same hymn sheet as me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things like what I eat are really important. I'm not interested in going out for takeaways or, no, I'll go to the cinema. I'm not very good for sitting down for very long. <laughs> but, you know going out drinking and things like that. Those aren't important to me, actually. It's it's the things that enhance my life are important to me. And I'm very much, I'm always one for thinking, oh, how can I make that better? But that that's just the way I am. And yeah. that's important to me. And I'm quite happy on my own. I, I don't really want to settle for being with somebody who's not driven like in in the same way yeah that makes not sense. motivated yeah yeah you're being very diplomatic because in the conversations we have you go I'm not having a heart attack on the plate I'm <laughs> well, just yeah, not having my yeah. next person is not gonna be someone I've got to look after <laughs> exactly. and nag and change <laughs> well, and I am 51 you know and the fact is if you're going to be with somebody I'd love you know I'd love to meet somebody that I can care about but I don't necessarily want somebody that I'm gonna have to care for yeah I yeah, don't yeah. mind caring for you know you don't no one knows what's around the corner do they but if somebody's looking after themselves and, you know, lo and behold, they come struck down with some kind of illness, then fine. You've done, you know, that person's done the best they can yeah. to support their own well-being. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a bump in the road that you'd have to tackle together. But if somebody's perpetuating the fact that they are a walking disaster waiting for it to happen. Yeah, so they're not changed diet, lifestyle, yeah, yeah. all the things that's in public health guidelines. It's yeah. not just about Yeah, it's not just me nutritional therapy. bringing it up yeah, yeah, yeah. for the first time. Yeah. I just think... I don't I don't really want to take that on board without it sounding really selfish. No, no, no. You know? It's interesting because if you think about it, a lot of people meet in teens and early twenties, like and therefore you're kind of invincible at that point in time. You think you've got ten lives, don't you? Mm. You think you can get away with everything. And then gradually health issues kick in and, and I always often say to clients when that I've got some in their twenties, teens and stuff, and I'm like, This is this is your blessing in disguise, because you're gonna change now going forward. 
But I suppose if you met your partner in teens when you were both quite hedonistic and didn't give a crap about all this stuff, mm. and then one of you goes down that journey, like we've mentioned before in the podcast, it is really difficult. And I think I personally, like you, couldn't be with somebody. I give Matt like hard enough time. But <laughs> I couldn't be with someone who wasn't that motivated and didn't prioritize a lot of this stuff. And yeah. it doesn't give you any guarantees. But when you start to build up a knowledge base around this subject, you don't want to be worrying about people all the time. And yeah. it becomes slightly unattractive when someone is yeah. just like disregarding and I'm just going to eat this food. I don't give a toss. And, you know, mm. and just a bit like, it's bad, it's bad to say unattractive because I still like to have blowouts and stuff. But if it is that, if it's like that all the time yeah, and you know yeah. where it's going or, or like you said, um, you know, not able to motivate yourself to exercise, it, it transfers over often into kind of career and you know kind of other aspects of life Mm -hmm. as well so it can be you know you can have that moment where you're like you're a really different person now I'm a different person or you're the same person I'm a different person probably more more likely the case yeah no but I agree like it isn't attractive if somebody says you know I don't cook I don't cook for myself or especially now like at my age someone says oh I don't cook for myself or I'm unhappy in my job and you're like well why haven't you changed that then yeah yeah, you know what what are you waiting for yeah and and sorry, it's not going to be me yeah. to, to do it for you, you know? There's a lot of people are waiting for somebody to save them. Yeah. Well, I'm loving your, your dating adventures that you've been feeding back. You did actually dump someone over a KFC, which I found <laughs> hilarious. But I was like, oh, I get it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, got, it's got to be somebody that adds to you, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas you're the person, I've, I've been there. I don't, I've got four children to look after. I don't need to look after anybody yeah. else. And also the risk is higher with every decade of life that we yeah. have. So it's my need is greater, you know, to kind of be aware of these things. But mm. so what do you, uh, I suppose now that you've, you've been practicing for a couple of years, can you just before, last thing we'll chat about, can you tell us what are you doing in terms of your company's NutriFit online? Nutri-fit, yeah. So NutriFit online, where are you taking this? What do you want to, what kind of groups of people do you want to help and so the type of person, I suppose, like goes with likes, doesn't it? So yeah, you end yeah. up sort of people come to you because they're similar to you. Um, so it's generally people that are busy, that are into their training, they've got a family and they they value what they do with their training, but they're never quite sure how they're going to fuel it. They want to be able to eat the best they can for their busy lifestyle, but they're never quite sure how they're going to fit it around their family. And it's just really looking for ways. If they've got chronic conditions, obviously, you know, my, my knowledge and my experience with autoimmune, that's something that people come to me because cool. they know. Yeah. But really, I'm very much, you're the science one. I know when I'm mentoring on fitter food, it's like, oh, if there's anything technical, I'll just run this by Keris. But practical stuff, you know, I'm, I'm out there for practical things, really. So if somebody wants just like straight down the line, um, nutritional help with how they can actually logistically run this, on a day-to-day basis, then that's really my niche, I think, yeah. more than anything. You're doing yourself a disservice because you know enough <laughs> about the science as well. It just, yeah, I've just been going a bit longer than you, that's all. But no, you know enough about the science. But yeah, you're an absolute whiz at the practical side of things. And and that even I've kind of watched your batch cooking stuff and gone, gosh, like, should I ever decide to take responsibility for another four people, which is very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be calling you up. <laughs> Um, but also I think because you've had that combination as well of uh, and now I suppose also kind of going through perimenopause menopause this will be the next kind of chapter where you'll develop more and more you know kind of skill set for for your clients as well yeah yeah definitely should I say about uh, Bellicon yeah if you want to yeah (laughs) this is it yeah and you're now doing go on so um um, (laughs) much to the horror of my children um I'm and Matt (laughs) <laughs> bless him he kept a straight face with it when I was I telling him um so working with 
Bellicon. So I'm going to chart my own journey really to do with pelvic floor health. And because I see lots of clients that are perimenopausal with vaginal health problems, whether it be chronic UTIs, um, vaginal atrophy, then it's just ways really musculoskeletal wise to try and improve pelvic tone to try and then alleviate some of the other problems that are people having. So I'm ju- I'm going to chart my own journey to see if I can try and improve improve my belly um my pelvic floor using a rebounder. Yeah, cool. So, belly com. A belly con rebounder, yeah. This is going to be very interesting. Yeah, so as my children were very worried that I was going to spend a lot of time on social media talking, talking about, about my vagina. <laughs> But we've convinced Please the boys. That. We've convinced the boys that it's not going to be that bad. <laughs> but just on that subject as well, I didn't realise you mentioned how many people ask at CrossFit what the exercises will be because they won't be able to do some of them due to pelvic floor and the, re- yeah. the results of that. And it's you know, and even Matt was kind of like, "What?" You know, yeah, I, he yeah. had no idea either. You know, so it, it's yeah. it, again once you're kind of going through that process, and that obviously when you're able to find ways around and things that really help it and share that, I think it's you know. It's, it's nice to get the conversations going because some people will be struggling with these things mm. and not talking about them at all. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll agree with me on this. I think the more you internalise anything, whether you're worried about vaginal health or your skin or your husband, the more yeah. you internalise it, the worse, the worse it all it gets. Is. Yeah, definitely. And the bigger the feedback and then at some point you get this big you know, kind of showdown with your health. And, yeah. and I've seen that happen several times over. So it's good to, to talk about these things. And luckily there is more, you know, the company in vivo clinical that I do gut testing with now have a, a vaginal microbiome yeah. test. You've actually done that. I have, you, yeah. Well? yeah. Yeah, it's really good, yeah. And then it's looking at really things, probiotics that can help and foods and things like that to, to change vaginal health. But even like type of underwear you're using and mm. products and topical yeah. products, which again, I'm sure you've been through all that with your psoriasis as well. Yeah. It all affects your microbiome, your skin microbiome. So, you know, all this stuff is kind of advancing all the time, but there's loads that people can be doing now and yeah. more than they probably realise. So, But it's a bit still a bit of a taboo subject, so... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I just think, right, it's not going to do me any harm. <laughs> Same about I don't mind. <laughs> but look forward to the vagina monologues. On. <laughs> but uh, so, where can people find more about you at the moment? So online, Nutrifit. Um, go to Nutrifit dot com. Social media as well, Nutrifit online, and yeah, basically awesome. That's it. And you built your own website. I have. I did. <laughs> yeah, lockdown has been a really good sort of kick up the backside for me. So. I am wading through that rabbit hole of technical stuff. <laughs> Much to my teenage boys' enjoyment when I go, can you just help me with this? Yeah. <laughs> One more time. Yeah. I get trying to tell myself, whenever I've got anything like that, I'm like, it's like knitting. We're like, this is my knitting. Just I'm in PowerPoint. <laughs> and it's horrible. <laughs> but I'll be really pleased with what I create. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing all of your your journey i'm sure we'll get you back on because there's loads that we could talk about you've been also been doing some work with schools which i would love to share um that project as well when that starts back up maybe kind of in a couple of months time but yeah thank you so much thank Thank you for being an inspiration thank you for sharing your story and uh, guys thank you for tuning in if you like this episode please do share it with anyone that you feel will benefit especially the topics we've covered autoimmunity divorce (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's it. We'll see you in over in episode 154. Bye bye.